Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. I want to continue my series this week, uh, my crazy emojis. And since the season we're in, a lot of people, um, a lot of t- TV shows, everything centers around this idea of fear. And I want to, I want to redeem fear and talk about it as it relates to our faith. Okay. And so uh, the title of my message today is fear. And I want to continue what I started last week. I ministered from the story in Matthew chapter 14 about Peter walking on water and Jesus walking on water, more importantly. And I want to share some more things from this story. So we're going to read more of it this week. Chapter 14, starting in verse 22, and it should be up on the screen. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed him, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I know in this story, Peter was afraid. He was scared. And, and so much, the, I think, is more evidence of this fact um, is that we think of this story and we think, wow, look at Peter's faith. He was the only one who got out of the boat. Praise God. But Peter was so afraid that he, he, uh, he helped in, in writing the Gospel of Mark. Okay, the Gospel of Mark is, is, scholars believe it's from Peter's account. And do you know the Gospel of Mark talks about Jesus walking on water, but it never even mentions Peter getting out of the boat? Every other gospel writer talks about this story and says, wow, look at Peter. He got out of the boat. Peter himself was like, nope, that was one of the scariest, most uh, probably shameful moments of his life because he sink, sank in the water and he, there was fear involved in this story. And we're going to talk about some different areas in the story. We see fear. Uh, you need to know this is a generation consumed by fear. There's a lot of fear going on in your heart right now this morning. I believe you don't even realize is fear causing it. We, we have different th- all these different things, insecurities. Every single person deals with fear, unless you're like Pastor Josh who says he can't be scared. You know that Pastor Josh cannot be scared. In fact, in the beginning of this year, I, I issued a challenge and said, if you can scare Pastor Josh and get it on film, that would be a day that we could celebrate and rejoice. You guys ready to rejoice this morning? Because we have a video here. The Holy Spirit has spoken. He said, Brent, now is the time. For such a time as this, you were born. And in that moment, I responded to the voice of God. And you'll see it on this video. Go ahead and start that video. Sorry it's recorded the wrong direction. This was at a child's birthday party of all places. Come on, somebody. Did you feel the Holy Spirit when we were watching that video? I did. Did you, Josh? Did you feel that anointing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, but all of us, we experience fear at some time in our life. Um, 
In fact, it's part of our life. We are born, in fact, with two fears. Scientists will tell us that you're born with a fear of falling and a fear of loud noises. Those are natural for every person, and those are to protect you. When you're a child, when you're a baby, an infant, it's natural for you to, be, to be, uh, have those two fears. Every other fear is learned. If you're like me and you were raised in church, I was born, I was raised with some fears. My greatest fear as a child, if you were raised in church, you could probably relate, is that the rapture was going to happen and I was going to be left behind. Can anybody else relate with that? Like, my parents were definitely going, who's going to raise me? Because I'm still going to be here. Every time I would, I would um, come out of my room, if I couldn't immediately find my parents, my mind would immediately go to, they're gone, you're still here. And it was, a, it was irrational, but as a child, it was, it was a fear I had. I blamed the Left Behind movies. My second fear was that the rapture was going to happen before I got married and got to experience the blessings that come along with marriage. Can I get an amen? This, is, this was a huge fear, which is a strange fear because I also had a fear of talking to girls, which would make that other thing impossible anyways. And in my mind, I had these Moments where I would picture this great faith would rise up in me and I would walk up to a girl and say, I swear by the moon. It never happened, okay? Not even to, my wife doesn't want to hear it. But they say the greatest fears that people have, the, the second greatest fear that's the most common of all fears in life is death. Do you know what the greatest fear is for people, they say? Public speaking. And that's offensive to me because that means people would rather, rather die than do what I do on Sundays. They would rather die. And so here I am living out uh, your greatest fear. But the truth is that fear has a potential to keep you from your calling. And that's what I want to focus on this morning is I think we can allow fear to get in the way and stop us from doing everything that God wants for us to do. And as a believer I want you to think about this morning, there are two places that you walk in as a believer. There's your walk to God and your walk with God. You see, we've all made a choice at some point. Everyone in this room had to walk to him at some point, and you started a relationship with him. And some of us, and in the American church, a lot of people, this is where it ends. And you walk to him, but how many of you know there's also another step in our relationship with God where we don't walk only to him, but we walk with him. And so we have salvation where we walk to him, but there's, there's another moment where we uh, walk with him. And this changes the way you worship, it changes the way you live, it changes the way you serve when you walk with him. Because after you walk to him, every single one of us is given a, a two-word discipleship test. And that test is, follow me. Follow me. Jesus has called all of us to follow him. If you want the extent of what I ha- want to get to you, follow me me. Or you can be satisfied to live in fear and not experience everything that I've created you to do, or you can follow me. You know, I think the problem is in, in, in the church, we've, we've gotten things out of balance. You see, the, tr- the truth is that it's very easy to get to Jesus, to accept Jesus, but it's, a, it's very hard to follow him. And so the people have rejected this idea and they find no value in getting to Jesus because it's so easy, so there's no value in it. And, and, they, and they refuse to do the hard thing of following him because it's too hard. So it's too easy and it's too hard. So you know what we've done in the church is we've reversed things and we've tried to make it harder to accept him and say, are you really in? 
Because if we, we added works to it, right? Like if, if you really want to accept him, you got to do these things and then you can be in. And then what we've done about following him is we've made it easier and said, oh, you can do all that and, and still follow Jesus. Don't worry, that's not that big of a deal. In fact, the Bible doesn't even call that a sin. In fact, you know, we made it very easy to follow him and harder to accept him. But the truth is, it is very easy. In a moment, you can accept Jesus, but it'll take you a lifetime to learn to follow him. And it's hard. It's hard to follow him. And, we, and we've, we've tried to make the gospel more attractive by saying it's easy to follow Jesus. It is not easy. It is good to follow Jesus and the fruit is worth it, but it is not easy. And so we have a generation who's rejected it because it's too hard and we've made them think it was supposed to be easy. Think about these fishermen when Jesus walked up to them one day and they're out fishing and doing their life's work and he just says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In fact, if you're not fishing for men, the question is, are you actually even following? And so he he said, follow me. And these fishermen, they got up and they left everything to follow him in an instant. What what has God asked you to leave behind that you've refused to, to follow him? Because the the truth is, a lot of us, we've had this voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us, and there's some things and maybe some people and some ideas and some mindsets that he said, that's not coming with you if you're following me, but you refuse to put it down. How can these fishermen, in an instant, not knowing Jesus, he says, follow me, and there's such authority in his voice that they lay everything down in obedience. The truth is, if you want to do everything God has called you to do, it's going to take obedience. We don't like that word in the church anymore. See, that's what I'm saying. We've made it easier to follow Jesus. We, we throw out those words and we talk about love and grace, which I love, and, and God is love, and, and you're saved by grace. I love those things, but we've made it easier and we've neglected obedience. If you want to receive everything God has for you, you want to do something great for God, it's going to take following him. Um, it's... It's amazing that you read these stories about the disciples and they never tried to lead Jesus. They never even tried to walk next to him. They said, wherever you walk, I will walk behind you. I will get my life in alignment with your life and I'll watch and do and say everything that you say. And they got their lives in alignment with him. This is discipleship, getting your life in alignment with everything that God says in his word. And see, we, we stop at this easy thing and we say, I've accepted Jesus, that's it. Now, that's not it. He wants you to follow him. If you're like me and you grew up in the 90s, you might have played a game called Simon. Anybody played Simon in the 80s? Maybe you came out in the 70s, 70s, 80s, 90s. It's this really annoying game. It gives me a headache even thinking about this game. Like this is before Fortnite, we had, we had a Simon, okay? And what happened was it would have these lights and it would light up and go boop, boop, boop. And then you had to imitate it and hit the exact same lights in the exact same order. And if you wanted to have success in the game, it was related to how well you could imitate the lights and the sounds that came before you. In the same way, if you want to have success and achieve your your calling and your purpose in life, you have to get better at imitating God as he goes before you. That's that's what your success is going to be related to. Here we go. I have trouble with that word. That's the second time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> praying for you, church. I'm praying for you. All right, back to the message. Some people 
forfeit their calling because they cannot stay in alignment with God long enough to get where he's trying to take them. You think to yourself, I should be leading. I should be the one doing the praying and healing. I should be the one uh, at the altar praying for people. I should be leading worship. I should be leading this group and that group. I should be doing the teaching instead of saying, God, wherever you lead, I will get in line with what you have in that moment because success is not related to your ability to get yourself to another level. Jesus Christ himself opens doors and closes doors. You just stay in alignment with what he has until he says something, until he says, it's your turn. Which brings us to the text where, where Jesus, he spent all this time discipling these, these 12 disciples and showing them everything, and they've stayed in alignment with him. And now for the first time in Scripture, we see Jesus say to the disciples, you go and I'll stay. You go ahead and you go across to the other side and I'm going to stay right here. I trust everything I've put in you. Now it's your turn. And there are going to be moments in your life where Jesus will say, it's your turn. He'll open up a door and say, it's your turn to witness. It's your turn to pray for someone. It's your turn to lay your hands on the sick. It's your turn to make a difference in your family. It's your turn to make a difference in your workplace. It's your turn. You've been growing and being in alignment with God for years, and I feel like God's word for somebody this morning is, it's your turn. You've done enough following his lead, and he's put things in your life, and he's spoken to you, and now he's saying, you go and do it. I've shown you what to do, and I've spoken to you, and you've stayed in alignment long enough, and now he's calling you to do it yourself. In fact, the entire book of Acts is Jesus telling the disciples in the church, it's your turn. It's your turn. And Jesus still does the same thing in our lives today. It's the first time in Scripture he tells them, it's your turn, I'm not going with you. And just because Jesus isn't with you in body does not mean he's with you through his Holy Spirit. I mean, it doesn't mean he's not with you through his Holy Spirit. He's with you, even if he's not here in body. Jesus was not there in the boat with them. He sent them and he went to pray, but he was still with them in spirit. Jesus goes to pray. This is interesting to me because Jesus is fully God, fully man. It's always interesting to me that Jesus had this habit of praying. But in this story, I ask myself, why did Jesus go to pray? And the answer that I feel like God gave me was because storms happen. This is right after Jesus had this moment where he found out his cousin, John the Baptist, who he began his ministry being baptized by him. They probably grew up together at family get-togethers. He had been beheaded. And Jesus immediately says, you go to the other side and I'll meet you there, I'm going to pray. You see, storms happen. Whether you're rich or poor, storms happen. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, storms happen. No matter where you live or where you came from, storms happen. Good or bad choices in life, storms happen. And if you're going to have success in fulfilling your calling for the kingdom of God, you can't throw a pity party. You gotta wake up and say, storms are gonna come. How am I gonna handle the storms? Because fear will want to grip you in the midst of a storm. And some storms we bring on ourselves, but can I tell you other storms, they can be a compliment. Sometimes a storm can mean that you are actually doing the very right thing, which would be why the enemy would want to send something to stop you and make you fear. And so every storm is not a reason to fear and say, oh great, there we go again. No, it's, it's actually a reason to, to open up the door and say, well, hello storm, welcome, I was expecting you. Oh, you brought friends, I'm popular, that's okay, because you know what that means? That means I'm doing damage on the kingdom, or on hell, and I'm doing something for the kingdom of God. In fact, my storms are great, 
because you know why? They taught me how to battle. My storms taught me how to pray. They didn't mean to, but they taught me how to pray. They taught me how to worship. They taught me how to fast and go after God. My storms matured me and brought me to where I am. If it wasn't for my storms, I wouldn't know how to intercede and go after God the way I do today. So thank you, devil, because when you thought you were going to come and hurt me, you were actually my faith trainer that just drew me closer to God. You have, to, you have to get to a point where you say, I will not forfeit my victory by becoming a victim in the middle of a storm. I am not a victim. In fact, my storm is a compliment. It means I'm doing something for God. You see, Jesus, he, he sent these disciples out in this boat by themselves, and they go, get out to the middle of the lake, and they encounter a storm, and they're afraid. I had a great illustration of this. God gave me a great illustration of this this week. I was driving, and and uh, there was this man who was in a construction zone. It was very chaotic, and he was trying to cross the street. He wasn't in a crosswalk. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to be the one to hit this guy. And so I stopped, and he started crossing right in front of me. Have you ever, like, seen a disaster about to happen, and there's, like, nothing you can do? You're like, no! That's how I felt because this guy came, he, he saw that I stopped and he came rushing in front of my car. I didn't have time to get my window down. These cars in the next lane were not stopping. I looked in my side mirror, here comes a car going about 45. And so he, he rushes in front of my car and he, he looks to the left right as he comes around my car. And for a moment I saw what it's like when someone thinks they're going to die. Because I saw it in his eyes. This man thought he was going to die and he curled up in a ball like this ready to take the impact. But this car swerved and missed him. But can I tell you, he was afraid when he got out into the middle. And in the same way in life, we can, we can stay on the shore and have these little thunderstorms, or we can say, you know what, what happens when I get out into the deep place, when I get out into the middle, is storms are going to come. And I don't care. I don't want to stay on the shore. I don't want to stay on the curb. I want to get out to the deep place where, where there's a storm that may happen, but you know what, that means that I can actually do something for the kingdom of God when I'm not afraid of the storm and I get into the deep places. You know you're going to great depths by the size of your storm greater depths, doing something greater for God, the storms will increase. I used to say new layers, new haters, new levels, new devils, okay? And there's going to be things that when you get out into the deep places and you start to do something for God and, and things start to be moving, there's going to be a storm that's going to come in your life and it can cause you to fear. The first fear hits the disciples. The first fear we see in this text is a fear of the storm because they're in a place on the lake where they, can see, they cannot see the land behind them and they can't see the land in front of them. They're out in the middle and they feel fear. You ever been out so far you can't go back? Some of you have never been there because you stay so close to the shore that if you fear, you can run right back to your old life. But there's a place in the middle where if you can trust God, that the very boat that he puts you in has everything it needs to get you to the other side. No matter what storm hits you, you already have a promise that you're going to make it to your destiny and your calling. And he's called you to the other side. You should never be afraid of the storm. You know why? Because he did not send you to destroy you. If God is the one sending you and you're following him and he says, it's your turn, go and do it. Do what I've called you to do. And you get out in the middle and there's a storm that comes. Guess what? I already, I'm walking on a promise. I'm walking on the word of God. It doesn't matter what it looks like around me because he already said, I'm going to make it to the other side. See, the problem comes when we allow the storm on the outside to get on the inside. Boats were made to be in water. 
The problem comes when the water gets in the boat. In the same way, you were made to handle storms, but the problem comes when the storm gets inside of you. You can really tell what's on the inside of someone when they go through a storm. How do you know if it's getting in you? Look in the mirror when you're going through a storm. How are you acting? How are you talking? Because I can tell what's in you and if the storm has gotten in you by your conversation. You can try and, we can try and hide things, but I'm telling you, your mouth is telling on you every time the storm gets in you. We play this game in church where we can camouflage it and say, I'm blessed and highly favored. And then we get home and, and our mouth will tell on us immediately. And we say, wow, I cannot handle these kids. I can't believe this is happening. You know what? You're really not a very good spouse, are you? You're not a good wife. You're not a good husband. All of a sudden, this storm cart's coming out of my mouth. Your mouth is telling on you that there is a storm happening in your, in your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks that your heart is not full of the right thing. What's in you? You know what else the storm will reveal? It will reveal who is full of the Holy Spirit. Because if you're going through a storm and what's coming out of your mouth is the Word of God, then all of a sudden you can realize I'm not full of the storm. I'm full of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to float through any storm that comes my way. Because you can say you're full of the Holy Spirit, but it is revealed by your mouth when you're going through a storm. Are you speaking death over your situation? Are you speaking fear and worry? Because if you are, the storm has gotten inside you, and it's time to stand up and say, you know what, my God who put me in this boat has promised I'm getting to the other side, and I'm not going to be afraid of any storm that hits me on the way. I'm full of the Holy Spirit and he's going to take me and carry me and walk on top of what other people sink in. I don't have to be afraid. The disciples, they were afraid. They were afraid because what was happening around them affected what was happening inside of them. But Pastor Brent, how do I keep the storm out of the boat? You know what they did in that day is they would tar the outside of the boat. They had something external to protect the internal. You know you have something to protect you, and it's called the blood of Jesus, that if you apply it to your life, no devil can get on the inside of you that it's protecting you unless you open a door. If you open up a door, and if I'm the devil, I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to bring a relationship because they might leave encounter so full of faith, I'm going to bring someone in their life. And you know how you can tell who that person is that's opening a door, who that, re that relationship is, is how you leave, how you feel when you leave them. Because you might leave encounter so full of faith and saying, my circumstance is in God's hands, I'm trusting him, he has something for me, and then you talk to them, and they're like, you know all, all the church wants is your money, right? And, ooh, are you sure that God is really calling you to do that? Are you even ready for that? Do you even know what that means? And all of a sudden, you're no longer full of faith. You're full of fear. That's a person who is opening up a door in your life for the enemy to come in and speak lies to you. But we have a tar called the blood of Jesus that will protect us from every fear. But you got to do something. you got to leave some people and some things who, who do not understand your assignment. You can still go after the lost, but say, you know what? i got to be careful who's in my boat with me while I'm going after the lost. Because I need to close up some holes in my life that the enemy is using, some doors, and apply the blood of Jesus to them and know that everything he's called me to do, I can do. Because there's a boat that's getting me to the other side. Watch who you connect with. If they're not here to build you up or push you, then there's some people in your life that you need to say, you know what, I can't have that kind of relationship with you. We need some boundaries in our relationship. 
The disciples are afraid of the storm. They're afraid of the circumstance they're in. And you know what happens right when the storm is about to overtake them? Guess who shows up? All of a sudden, when it looked like everything was lost and the storm was about to overtake them, here comes Jesus in the middle of the storm. Because you know what? No weapon formed against you will prosper. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Even if it looks so bad that you want to give up, I want to encourage you. Jesus shows up to take care of his kids before the enemy can overtake them and before the storm. Because even though he didn't, put, he didn't give them a spirit of fear and he says, where is your faith? He shows up because he cares that they're going through something. And the fear that's on the inside to him he speaks peace to aren't you glad we have a God who speaks peace to any storm even if you've allowed fear to get into you up until this moment he can say peace be still and you can leave here full of the Holy Spirit and knowing that God is in control of every circumstance and every situation here comes Jesus walking on what everybody else sinks in he has authority over what other people sink in. That means the doctor told you uh, you're sick Guess what? and you're sinking in fear. Guess what? He has authority over that thing. Your husband left and you're wondering, God, where are you? What is happening? He has authority over that thing. Your bills are piling up and you don't know what's going to happen. He has authority over that thing. My Jesus walks on top of what you're sinking in. And so if you're sinking in fear this morning, I want to encourage you to know that he walks on what you're sinking in. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And then there's another fear. Before I close here, there's another fear in the text that the disciples have. They have a fear of the storm they're in. And the second thing they fear is actually the solution to the storm they're in. Have you ever been afraid of your problem and know I'm stuck and I need to get out of this boat and I can't stay in this circumstance, but you're also afraid of the solution that's going to take you out? Like, what's that even look like? How am I going to let these people go? How am I going to get free of this stuff? What in the world? Do, I'm afraid of the solution. Here's another way to look at it. You're in, a, you're in a building and it's burning and you're on the third floor. The doorway is, is closed. It's, the fire is coming up on you quickly, and there's a window. The problem behind you is the fire, but the solution is jumping out of the window. I'm afraid of the fire, but I'm also afraid to jump. And we, we, ha we have to see our relationship with God the same way because some of us will allow the fear of jumping to keep us in this boat of mediocrity, never doing what God has called us to do because we never get the courage to jump. I don't like jumping. And another illustration is a plane. You're in a plane. The plane is going down. Someone hands you a parachute and says, the problem is this plane is going to crash. Here's a parachute. Jump. I don't like the problem, but guess what? I don't like the solution either. I don't, I don't even think it's biblical. The Bible says, lo, I will be with you always. Why would I want to jump out of a plane? God is not with me. But I'm telling you, we, we deal with this fear of the solution. They see Jesus coming and they think it's a ghost, the very thing that's come to speak peace to the storm they're afraid of. It's a, it's a problem and it's a solution. If I don't jump, if I don't walk on water, I can be destroyed, and if I do, I can drown. It's, a, it's an issue some of you are in this morning. Your opportunity out has arrived, but you're afraid of what that looks like. 
Jesus has been calling you to step out of that boat for a long time, but you're afraid because you don't know what does that even look like, Jesus? How am I going to do that? This is all I've ever known. And some of you are going to sit in a boat of mediocrity, if I'm being honest with you, your entire life and do nothing. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to grow bitter and angry about what you could have done. And you're going to look at other people and say, if it wasn't for them, I could have done so much more for God. But no, you made a choice to sit in the midst of a storm and never step out and do what God God had called you to do, and it's time to say, you know what? I can't sit in mediocrity anymore. I can't sit in the midst of this storm. I'm afraid of getting out, but I'm more afraid of sitting here because the longer you sit in that boat, the more you play right into the enemy's hands. If he can get you to sit in that boat for years, you have wasted years of your calling and purpose that God has created you for. Sitting in a boat, complaining about other people and circumstances and things. You know what? I refuse to sit down in my offense and allow it to stop me from what God has called me to do. It is not people that called me. They will not offend me and stop me from what God has called me. He's the one calling me forward. And if he says, come, I'm going to come. And no person, no circumstance, no addiction, no lies that people told me when I was younger, no history of where I came from, no lack of education or experience or ability will stop me because God put me in the boat and he promised me to take me to the other side. I'm getting in and I'm not going to allow anything to slow me down. It's time for you to get out of the boat this morning. It's time for you to get out of the boat. Can I have the worship team come up and help me? You know that most people never get out of the boat. Let's look at this story, right? One out of 12 disciples got out of the boat. One out of 12. If that's us, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like one person in this section, a few people here, and a couple people over here. That's it. If there's only six people in this room, there's seven people that are going to get out of a boat, is it going to be you? Because there's a few people I believe in this place that say, you know what, I'm not built like other people. And I'm not going to allow what other people sink in to make me sink. I'll be the one out of 12. I'll be the ten, less than 10% who say, you know what, God, whatever you called me to, I'm not going to miss my moment. Peter understood this. He said, I'm with them, but I'm not like them. He understood something. He understood that God has called me to greater things And they might not come with me, but I'll go alone. Do you have that kind of spirit that says, you know what? These people rode me to this point, and they might not go with me to where God is taking me, but I'll leave them in the boat if I have to. I'll go alone. Though none go with me, still I will follow Jesus. Because that's the kind of spirit that will allow you to get out of a boat. Peter, he looks at Jesus, and he says, tell me to come. He says, Jesus, I want to know you on another level than the rest of these Christians around me do. I want to know you on another level than the 11 do because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is, I'm not going to be like anyone else. If you tell me to come, I will come. You know what God showed me about this story that I realized as I was studying this is every single person in this story felt fear except for Jesus. The 11 who stayed in the boat, they feared the storm so much that they didn't want to go to Jesus. And Peter, he feared a different way, but he still had fear. He said, you know what? I'd rather be on the water in the storm with Jesus than in the boat without him. And I'm telling you, if if you understand this, this will give you a revelation to say, you know what? I can't stay in this boat. 
because you're going to feel fear in the boat and you're going to feel fear following Jesus, but I promise you following Jesus will always win. And if you can follow him and stay with him and go where he calls you to go, in the end you will win and you will defeat the fear that tried to keep you from being everything God called you to be. I cannot stay in a boat. I'm not like other people. Will you stand up to your feet with me this morning and just say, Jesus, I'm not like them. I will be the one out of 12, Jesus. I'm the, I might be with them, but I'm not like them. I might be with those people that I get high with and, and I party with. I might be with, with those people in my family that are crazy and they're gossipy and they're judgmental, but I'm not like them. I might be with those people that want to stay stuck in a boat, but Jesus, I'm not, I'm not sure what it looks like. I'm afraid of going to the solution, but Jesus, I refuse to stay in a boat. Is that you this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just declare, God, that there's some people in this place who see the value in stepping out of the boat, God, because the bitterness and the anger that has held them there, looking back in regret, that says that they've wasted too many years, they've made too many mistakes, and too many people have gotten in the way. Those people have nothing to do with this moment right now, this morning, where your Holy Spirit is calling some people and saying, get up. I've given you everything you need to get out of this boat. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just believe calling is right up in some people. I believe you're calling some people this morning back into the ministry to say, you are not done. It is not over. You're still here. The years that you've wasted behind you had nothing to do with what I have in front of you. And in the name of Jesus, I just declare that the power of God is going to rest on you like never before in this next season, that as you walk on things, you're going to step on them because you follow Jesus. And he's saying, it's your turn to walk on top of what you used to drown in. We speak against a spirit of fear this morning that is not from God who's given us a spirit of love and a sound mind this morning. And Jesus, we just ask for your peace over every storm this morning. God, I thank you this morning that you have shown us through your Holy Spirit that you are greater than every storm and being in your presence has reminded us that you walk on top of what other people sink in. We take authority over every storm that tried to push us down and pull us down. We take authority over every lie that wanted to tell us that you are finished with us, that we are not going to accomplish what you've called us to, and we're walking on top of it. The Bible says that the enemy is under your feet, that you can stomp on the head of the snake and the scorpion. And this morning, enemy, you get under my feet, because God said, whatever I put my foot on is mine, and I'm putting my foot on everything God has promised me this morning, and I'm walking it out in Jesus' name. Come on, will you worship with me this morning and just declare in your heart, if God says, says it's mine, I can take it. And if he calls me to come, I can go. Come on. There's some people who need to get out of a boat this morning.